Hi, my name's Laura. I'm Mike. Welcome to episode 23 of Mike's Open Journal. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to the podcast. I was very fortunate this time to have Laura to really talk through a little bit about mental health at work uh, and also get a, a little bit of insight into Laura's life as well. So we're going to drop you straight into the conversation. Again, thank you very much for listening into the podcast. If you would like to come on in the future to talk about your own experience or mental health in general, do get in contact through the website, Facebook or Twitter. Oh, so how's your day been? Good, very busy, but good, productive, so That's I can't complain. Good. What about you? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and today I've been a rider. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I was meant to go into work Aww. just for the afternoon, um, but then they had mm. um, like a change in the morning. So they said, oh, you can come in if you want to, or we can just get someone from this morning to carry on. So I said, I'll let them carry on because they're already there. Um, yeah. And then just nothing happened for the rest of the day. Like I just couldn't, I think because I thought, oh, I've got, a couple of hours in the morning just to have a bit of lazy time before going in and then just couldn't get out of that yeah. like once I knew I didn't really have to sort of get up um so yeah like nothing's really yeah, exactly. happened which I don't know I feel like I, I'm trying to think of it as a nice day in terms of like relaxing and not doing much rather than a wasted day yeah yeah sometimes you need those days so for sure yeah. Can you make up my accent okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> good, good. I've been trying so hard to like not talk broad, but it'll slip through, I'm sure. <laughs> I have to get you riled up about something. And I really hate it. <laughs> I know, slip, don't even. I actually hate my accent so much. It's so funny because like everybody that I talk to that's like from another country really likes it. And yeah. I'm like, no. Definitely not. So I'm probably not even going to listen to the podcast because I'll just cringe the whole way through it. <laughs> or I'll like, re- like fast forward the bits where I speak and then just listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's not fair. I think it's funny. I no, wonder it's if really it's, awful. Is it one of those things, though, where you just, because wherever you're from, you hear the people around you talk your accent. So it doesn't, it's not really appealing. It's just common. Whereas I think... Then if you talk to anyone from somewhere else and they're always like, oh, your accent's amazing. And you think, it's really not. Because I think everyone kind of thinks yeah. that. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I suppose you're right in the sense that like, you hear it every day. So you get really frustrated. But then, like, when I get recorded, I just, I, obviously everybody sounds different. But I, like, do not sound like me, like... I was given a speech at my sister's wedding a couple of weeks ago and somebody recorded me and I was just like, so I was going to say scundered, but you'll not know what that means. I was very embarrassed. <laughs> so I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> scundered means embarrassed. So that's a new word for you. <laughs> oh, okay. We've got three minutes in before I've lost. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm learning. I'm learning. I should have just like given you a list of words that I use on a daily basis. Uh, I should have done that for you before we started. No, it's fine. It's okay, fine. I'll talk normal English. Yeah. <laughs> normal English. <laughs> yeah, normal English. Um, so oh, obviously dear. today, like I guess the idea, um, I think originally I put out the tweet with like a few different things to to have a chat about, and one of them was yeah. uh, 
I think I, I can't remember if we talked about a couple, but one was mental health in the workplace. So are you still happy to have a chat about that? Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and did you want to talk about yourself at all? <laughs> um, just because obviously it's the first yeah, time you've been on mind. and give a little bit of a, a background. <laughs> Um, because I thought yeah, oh, it'd course. be quite nice. We don't have to go into like huge detail if you don't want to, but um, I think it's always nice, like the first time someone comes on to like hear a little bit about them and their story. Yeah, no, like I'm totally open about mental health, so and like life in general. I'm an open book, so yeah, whatever. That's what we like. Um, I've got this really yeah. weird thing where I keep on saying we as if like someone else here and like it's just me. <laughs> a collective. Like, yeah. A collective me. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but just to hear uh, like a little bit from you about why you or how you've come to sort of be proactive within kind of the mental health conversation. Okay. Uh, basically, um, when I was 17, I was diagnosed with, officially diagnosed with OCD and unofficially diagnosed with anxiety. Um, but like I've always had them for as long as I can remember, um, especially anxiety. But it's only like looking back in hindsight that I recognise that because um, I was talking to my mum about it a while ago and she used to say like I had this obsession with even numbers. Um, mm. Like I had to say everything twice. But, like, obviously, I couldn't really do it in school because it would be like, there's that weird girl who says everything twice. So I used to, like, say it under my breath. Um, but if I said it three times, then I'd have to say it four, like, things like that. Oh, yeah. But I thought it was just a phase. Like, you know, kids do weird things, so I thought that was it. But, um, no, I was diagnosed when I was 17 um, with obsessive-compulsive disorder of, like, the contamination kind. Mm. Um, so I didn't really, like... Uh, I didn't really eat a lot because like I was afraid of being sick Um, I didn't go out to like restaurants like I didn't basically didn't eat anything that hadn't like that I hadn't cooked or my parents hadn't cooked Mm. Um, if you had had like some kind of like stomach bug or you'd been sick like I literally wouldn't speak to you for days Um, I couldn't like touch door handles I couldn't touch trolleys things like that Um, and then it all kind of came to like a head when I was doing my A-levels and like I used to be able to concentrate like for like two hours at I'm really sorry, I said like a lot. I'm very conscious of that. <laughs> but I used to be able to rise for like two hours at a time and then like concentration slipped to twenty minutes. So I sort of realised something was up. Um so before I sat my A levels I went to the doctors and she said like you definitely are displaying signs of O C D. Um so then because I was under eighteen she wasn't keen on putting me in so she referred me for therapy and the cognitive behavioural therapy but I didn't get that for like another six months because of the waiting list wow. um, and then yeah so I had to like sit my exams and stuff with no help <laughs> um, so I think I cried in every exam that I sat and then had to go and like talk to all my teachers because I didn't know um, so I kind of kept it fairly hidden from everybody and then um, got my CBT and stuff and was discharged when I went to university uh, and that's when the anxiety kicked in really badly um, and then like kind of nothing really changed uni-wise I went to see a mental health mentor every week like my uni were really good with that and I got like to do my exams in different environments and I got extensions on assignments if I needed them um, and I think it was like my final year uni when I was really open about it all mm. um, like I lived with 87 other people in my call the residence 
um, and I lived there for like four years, so they kind of had to know. Um, and then, I don't know, people just were interested in it um, and like wanted to know more because I suppose you look at people you don't see mental health, so yeah. they were like, oh, you would never expected you to like be like suffering and stuff like that. Um, and then now, like literally just on Monday, I was diagnosed with like mild depression. Um, so that's been like a lot of process. So it sort of made me even more determined to like be open about stuff. Um, and just because there's so many people suffering out there that not many people feel that they can be open about it. So if I feel like I can and I want to be, then that in some ways that makes me feel like it helps others too because it's kind of like reducing stigma. Mm. So... I think it's that's that, like, like my mental health in a nutshell. <laughs> that's a very good sum up. <laughs> I still I don't I find it really strange <laughs> that when you're coming up to exams that there's not some sort of like even if it's a short term support that they're like, oh, okay, you need to wait six months but we can't give yes. you something because obviously you're going through something that's just like very important and very stressful yes. now. Um just to give yeah. you something Oh, I don't know what you could have had, but you feel like oh, something short term. Even if it, yeah, exactly. Like I think even if I'd had somebody, I don't know. I have this, I don't have this weird thing. I think it's just at that age, I didn't feel comfortable. Like tell my friends that like mentally I have issues, um, and like obviously my parents and stuff. But sometimes I find it easier talking to strangers about things. Mm. But. Um, even then, like, there was nothing. I didn't even get to see... I got to see a social worker, I think, like, two months in. But she didn't believe that there was anything wrong with me, so I couldn't really, like, open up to her. Yeah. Um, and then I had to tell my, like, head of year that um, I got this doctor's letter, and I was like, I don't really know what to do with it. So, like, from an exam point of view, they were like, you know, if you need to sit... If you need to walk out or, you know, you want to sit at the back of the room, like, you can do. But for, like, actually trying to treat it while I was doing exams there was nothing mm. so I was it was my summer holidays before I like even thought about like how to combat it so yeah um but yeah no short-term help at all which is kind of sucks but we still got through and went to uni so it all worked out <laughs> yeah it did I mean think... I survived university so university does seem like I, I still can't quite get my head around like the huge jump that there is with I think when you're in uni, there seems to be so much more awareness and support going on around, I'd say, just health in general. Um, And at college level, I don't I know there's difficulty with funding and colleges are smaller and um, all that stuff. But I do think there's there's quite a big difference um, between the provision and the support that's available for students around health and think that can be quite difficult when you're at a stage where you know you're at a college that you've chosen to go to you're taking courses you've chosen to go on and um where your choice is so important um I don't know I feel like there there's a little bit of a gap there around that kind of sort of health provision um and information for students yeah. yeah definitely I mean like when I went to uni, they, like, our university had what was called the disability services, but nobody knew about it unless you actually needed it. Um, and like mental health and stuff wasn't really a big factor. It's only now um, 
I think when like my university looks back at the statistics of how many people use disability services for their mental health, that they are more proactive in it. But mm. that transition from like school to university and the stress of it all, and like the stress of trying to pick like actually whether you want to go to university in the first place, what course you're going to do, like having to apply and do interviews, like there's no help out there for that age bracket where like you're kind of at your most vulnerable then because you're making life decisions mm. um, and you're making a decision that is ultimately going to like direct your life for like the next three or four years um, so there's definitely like a lack between school and university mm. and then like when you're at university unless you need the help like nobody else knows it's there so they're not really doing much to raise awareness of it um, so it's like I did a lot of work when I was at uni like telling people about mental health and yeah. lo- like did a lot of workshops and stuff to try and educate myself about it because um, obviously I only knew then about my own problems and not other conditions and stuff but um, yeah like it would be amazing if there was that service straight away as soon as you entered the new life that there was something there for you to go to mm. but, I think having that that bit of extra support so you can get to the stage where you have more students and staff I suppose as well talking about Mm. um health in general and mental health and I think that's the gap sometimes where it becomes a bit sort of oh we can talk to you about all of these support services that are available around being homesick or if you move into accommodation some support there or information about where your local dentist is and where the shops are and all that sort of settling in stuff Mm. um but something that affects you kind of in long term I don't I don't know. I mean, it it obviously exists in some places, but I can't say I've seen it sort of... I don't think it's commonplace. No, definitely not, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I remember when I first went to uni, it was like, <laughs> on Saturday, here's your first Tesco trip to show you how to get there. Um, like, you had tours of, like, your individual school. Um, you had like tours of the students union to find like where all the best places were to go and drink or hang out but <laughs> when it came to like <laughs> how to how to study or how to write essays like freshers was a big thing at my university like yeah. it was more of like a month long thing rather than a week but um, when it came to like academic side of things even like if you wanted to know to write a good essay or how to like critique things or how to reference like you had to physically go and book in mm. something like you couldn't just walk in and ask for help so even in that sense of things like a lot of the focus is on the experience like with the experience is ultimately like one of the most important things as well yeah but like when it comes to learning and looking after yourself like realistically what 18 year old knows how to properly look after themselves after university for the first time um, I survived on super noodles for a lot the first year, so <laughs> like, just could have used some education there. <laughs> I think, yeah, little bit of food hygiene, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially for somebody with OCD. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> I think it's that idea sometimes, isn't it? That it's, it sort of drops back to like in that induction, you're probably told, "Oh, you can go here for student support," and then you walk past whatever room or building that is, and it's not explained, and you think. There's so much within that, yeah. be it financial support um, or support around different health issues. And uh, yeah, I don't know that it's always fully explained. And then it's almost like, well, we've ticked it off because we've told you about it. Um, and then people don't yeah. know where to go or what support there is. Or if they did have something that they were struggling with, they wouldn't be sure that they could come forward with that. 
um, and at the same time, the college or uni or wherever is thinking, well, we've already told you about that. So it's up to you to come forward if you need to. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. It's a yeah, difficult like... one, I think. <laughs> I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably <laughs> keep on starting. I think that's probably quite a nice lead into as well when we're talking about like in the workplace because I feel like actually that's probably quite a similar thing where um, I know the the uh, place that I work um, we're told about some of the support that's available but it's not fully explained um, and mm. kind of the way that it works is not. I don't know I don't feel like it's something that is a kind of a positive way forward for getting people to openly talk about um any problems or struggles they're having either in the workplace or with like the the identified support networks um Mm. and I think that's from kind of loose informal conversations it sounds like it's similar in quite a few places where if you went in and said, do you have support for your staff that may have um, queries around mental health? They can say, yes, here's our leaflet. Um, <laughs> and we have some sort of link with yeah. an external counsellor. Um, and that's kind of it. Uh, I don't know what you've come across. Yeah, I mean, so I have been like kind of in, oh, I have been in full time work for over a year now. Um mm. When I graduated from university, I like, well, I did a stupid degree, so I didn't have a job when I left. Um, <laughs> so I did an internship instead. <laughs> um, it's not stupid, it's still a degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you can't really do much with criminology. So I should have really evaluated that better when I was deciding. But um, yeah, I did an internship um, with a Christian, like faith-based organisation. Um, for like a full year so I was like working um, in like a lower socioeconomic area mm. doing kids work um, and obviously like I wanted to disclose my mental health like right from the off mm. Um I feel like at that time for me it was pretty important um, just to make like my managers aware that this was going on um, and like they were really supportive of it like they were really interested in it um, and the lady that I was managed by like she had done some kind of like counseling aspect whenever she was training um which was pretty good but the church that I was working for they have a counseling organization but their way of advertising it is like a poster um Mm. like sporadically placed in like the different offices that they have so I didn't actually know about it until I was leaving (laughs) (laughs) which (laughs) kind of defeated the purpose of it but the fact that my manager had some kind of training was um, nice because she sort of understood then where I was coming from. Mm. Um, and then, um, so it was a really positive, like, mental health experience because they were all really, like, intrigued, which I don't know if that's a good use of the word, interested maybe. But, like, yeah. they wanted to know more. Like, they wanted to be educated about it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we would often spend, like, uh, an hour or so, like, just going through, like, the different mental health issues that are out there and um, like a lot of them opened up then about like maybe not their personal experiences but people that they know of and they were interested in how you know like tips they could use you know if they needed to help somebody but for like the main organization there wasn't a lot of like promotion of their services 
um, again, it was a case of it's there if you need it, but nobody really knows until you look for it. Mm. Um, but it's really interesting to hear that your work, like your work has a kind of like policy. Yes. Cause where I am now, I don't know. Like I've been there for a year and I still don't know. So. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be, I, I don't know, because um at the the place that i work i haven't disclosed anything at the moment um so it's like all kind of it's a gradual discreet collection of information but i've okay (laughs) (laughs) i've found that um we uh say we like as if it's me um they offer yeah it's a collective we (laughs) they offer um external counseling uh, so you can mm. uh, contact this counsellor and all apparently all that's fed back to your employer is um, uh, like a number because they want to know how many members of staff are interacting with the service. Um, oh, okay. So you go along and you can meet the, the counsellor and I guess this is paid for by the college or comes through some sort of fund I'm not sure um so you can go and meet her um and chat with her as far as I can tell it's mm-hmm. it's one counsellor and she works on her own I think um but mm-hmm. the place that you go to meet is some I think it's either like an office or just a coffee shop um in a town centre but the town centre is a fair way away from the workplace so okay, yeah. I feel like, well, uh, it depends on how secure you are where you are. It's like if it's all out in the open, then that's fine. But if you wanted to keep it private mm. and they've kind of positioned it as though like it should be private because they're saying like your information is not being passed on. Like, well, yeah, yeah, but if I take a morning or afternoon off and then you, you're fed back a number that says someone's interacting with that service <laughs> it's not really hard to work out <laughs> so, <laughs> mike was away today yeah. i wonder where he was <laughs> yeah so i I don't, <laughs> I don't know again it's one of those things where if it was kind of a bit more open um or they encouraged mm. some sort of um group forum or something like that i don't think i'd feel like that would be an issue but where it's kind of I wouldn't say promoted because it's definitely not promoted. Um, it's not as much yeah. as a, it's a leaflet. It's not even a poster. Um, <laughs> it's a leaflet. <laughs> and because they tried to say it's quite sort of discreet, it's private. Um, it gives you a chance to kind of go away and talk to someone that's not affiliated to the college. Um, yeah. I then think just the way it's put across is like it's private and discreet when I don't know that it, I don't know that it is as discreet as it's kind of making it out to be um yeah that could be me just overthinking it or overanalyzing it but i'm not sure i don't think it encourages people to come forward to use that service yeah i can understand that yeah um it's a bit yeah like yeah if only one person uses it or like two people use it yeah and then their feedback two people have used this today like it isn't the most discreet way of, <laughs> of going. Like, definitely could work on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd get more. I don't know. Maybe if it was worded different. If they said like, "Oh, these. This is the amount of people that have used or meetings that we've had over like a six month period or something like that." Mm, definitely. Then that's fine. Yeah. But if it's like a a weekly or. Or even they're like, oh, we had someone come in today. And like, oh, who was off today? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm not sure about yeah. it. I'm not sure. 
Makes you feel uneasy. Yeah. And like I say, if it was more, if they said, oh, okay, we're going to have uh, like a forum or a discussion group, um, I feel like I'd be more happy to go along with that, even though that's a lot more like overt because people would see you there and you'd chat to other people. The fact it's yeah. been sort of, again, not really promoted, but promoted uh, as an open yeah. <laughs> event or meeting or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like you're a bit more... Uh, I guess aware of kind of what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I mean, like where I am now, I don't even know if there is anything, which is really bad. I should know, but that's not a reflection on me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we have like a I think like the last I just like transferred offices there in April. Yeah. Um, and we have like a I work for like the government, which sounds like top secret, but it's really not. Um, I answer phones for a living. Um, but we Don't make like it sound top secret. <laughs> yeah, it's a criminology degree coming in, do you? Yeah, see, I'm seeing now. Yeah. She's downplayed her yeah. criminology degree and she's very discreet. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh actually working for MI5. But... <laughs> she's trying to find me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like we have a... You know, like, is it called intran when oh, yeah. it's, like, within like a company? In- yeah. yeah, the internal internet, yeah. Yeah, so we have that, um, and, like, you have, like, advertisements every couple of days coming up. So I think at one stage in, like, the year and one week that I have been there, um, they had an advertisement for counselling. Um, I think it, like, drew my attention because it was a counselling service that I'd used at university. But that was once in 365 plus seven days mm. because my math fails me on occasion um and that was like once that I had seen that so yeah. it's not very well promoted at all um so it like it doesn't even encourage it's just not talked about in the workplace over here anyway like I don't know Northern Ireland is just like they just don't like talking about things <laughs> we're a very like closed society um which I kind of feel is why I'm so like passionate I suppose for talking about it um, like in my work at the minute um, I don't even know if the building I'm in has anything like there's no not even a poster or any kind of leaflet about it and mm. um, again it's one of those scenarios that mm, if you need to talk like you talk to your manager and then they'll find somewhere for you to go but if you don't want to disclose that to like people that you have to work with then it's kind of you're kind of just stuck then like there's no real option for you there and um, to like avail of that which I think you should be able to in the workplace because that's where you spend a lot of your life so yeah well mm. arguably you're spending more of your time at work than you are in your social time um yeah so yeah. I think definitely for for me I found kind of over the years actually it matters a lot more to me like kind of being somewhere that you can feel like you're relaxed and that you get on with people and mm. um that you are able to kind of have that relationship with with the people that you work with but it's really strange because it's one of those things that when you look at jobs or you go for an interview it's like probably the most important thing and it's the thing you can't really find out about until you're there yeah and then I don't know about you but like when it comes to like job applications and like the last question is always well over here anyway like do you consider yourself to have a disability and then 
they explain like oh disability is a physical impairment or like a mental health problem and then I'm like do I tick yes or do I just leave it and like is that something I disclose the interview because mm. I always have a sense that like as soon as you mention the words mental health like like an alarm kind of goes off in their heads mm. and it shouldn't because like as a society now as a whole I think we're a lot more open like people are talking more about mental health but it's always been a like a difficult decision for me to put down on an application form as to whether I have like a mental health problem and then you know like I feel like it has a real impact Mm. on whether you get even like you even get to interview in the first place because if somebody applies for a job and like puts down that they don't have any disability like as discriminatory as it is I think an employer might always be inclined to like automatically give that person an interview maybe that's just my opinion on it though um, yeah, I think I'm really in between because I've seen um, a couple of different things that have made me change views a little bit on this slightly where um, I've, I feel like I'd love to like sit here and say, yeah, I tick, <laughs> um, I have a disability, but I don't. Um, and for mm-hmm. the same reason as you is I feel like there's that kind of prejudice against someone that's ticking that. So um Obviously, my my mental health issues are a lot to do with the last couple of years, um, but mm. I'm dyslexic and I've known I'm dyslexic since uh, since college or yeah, since college. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never ticked on anything that says, do you have a disability, even though really I should be ticking that um, because yeah. I feel like you're viewed in a negative way. And in the last, I think in the last couple of years, when I've seen a few job application forms, um, they will actually put on some of them. If you tick, you've got a, a disability, you can uh, make yourself eligible. I think it for um, like a guaranteed interview slot. Not everywhere does oh, this, okay. but some places will do. If you tick yeah. to say you have a disability, we'll guarantee you an interview um, as part of their equality or diversity or whatever yeah and I feel like that goes the other way then in that I don't want an interview because you have to accept so many people with a disability because I'm going to put all the time and effort into the interview and you're basically already decided that you don't want me I want to get an interview based on the fact that you think I'm suitable and eligible for the job uh, yeah like you want to like the stuff that you like spend hours writing about yourself and like your qualifications and everything that you've done to get the job and then just to be given an interview because you think you have a disability is kind of demeaning in a sense yeah that's how I would feel anyway yeah um so I've I've gradually started to tick um I'm one of those annoying people for administrators that tick prefer not to say for everything where I can tick I prefer not to say Okay. So I will now, <laughs> I will now <laughs> for my um, race and religion <laughs> tick, prefer not to say. Um, okay. Sexuality, prefer not to say. <laughs> um, okay. Any health conditions, <laughs> prefer not to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I might even, <laughs> if there's a prefer not to say for gender, I might even tick it on that. Wow, um, you're a real mystery. <laughs> <laughs> just because I think like you don't need to know any of this stuff. Um, like you don't no. need, it doesn't relate to whether I can do the job or not. This is just you wanting to tick some admin stuff. Um, so I'm not prepared to to give you that information. Either you think I'm suitable enough to give me an interview for the job or not. Um, if, yeah. uh, if 
you offer me and I accept something, once I'm in the workplace, maybe I'll change my mind and give you some more information then. But at the yeah. stage where you are just a, a company or a business and I'm an individual, I don't want to give you all that information. No, exactly. That makes sense, actually. I might start doing that. Yeah, be awkward like me. <laughs> yeah, we'll start a club. Yeah, everyone tick. <laughs> prefer, prefer not, not to say. Club. <laughs> um, I think it's just so interesting. It's one of those things that I think... I think you're going to see that more and more on, on some of the forms because there's so many options and I think you get, you're going to get a lot of other or prefer not to say because they just can't be bothered for the lack of um, anything else to actually fill in all of the options yeah. that you now have for those. Yeah. Um, and I know I've seen quite a few around, um, especially gender and sexuality, where some places have really struggled with kind of modernising their forms. And I see a lot that still mm, just definitely. say um, male, female, or... Um, oh, what's the other one I've seen? Oh, I think maybe it's like male, female, or other, or something mm, like that. I think I that's think, usually, yeah, and, other. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. Because really belittling, it's awful to think that, like, if you didn't identify as these with two, I, like either, yeah, yeah like then, you just have to take, like you're just other, like yeah. And I think yeah, that's it, that's it. So I've seen it with male, female, other, but um, it's not like oh, tick other, and then tell us what your other is. It's just tick other. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't, oh, I don't know, I don't, I, I feel like that's probably not really, especially it annoys me because it's on a form that says equality and diversity, whatever, yeah. like monitoring or something. I think, Yeah. so this is coming from someone that should be probably in like a HR department that mm. is dealing with equality and you can't even be bothered to kind of put down the, the different options or categories that people might sort of feel like they fit into other than just like yeah. the two traditional things that have been there since like, hundreds of years ago or whatever um yeah. i mean i could be wrong but i feel like has that much really changed in regards to what needs to go onto those forms yeah quite a lot has changed so why are we still filling in the yeah. same forms from sort of 30 or 40 years ago exactly it's probably it's just like sheer laziness i think and mm. like yeah it's not a quality it, like it's not a quality whatsoever and it like it really Great on me that like somebody who doesn't identify with either of those genders would have to tick other mm. <laughs> and like it's just as if then they're not even human it's just you're whatever mm. um and that's the first thing usually like you check on one of those questionnaires as well so it's kind of like well yeah i think it's usually the rest like, of it in then it's the first thing after your name i think a lot of the time isn't it yeah yeah um oh, I, i've yeah, I feel like I was going to try and get you riled up to get your accent to come out. And I feel like I'm the one that's getting riled up now. <laughs> now we've got onto the gender thing, which is a little bit away from mental health, but we're including it. It can affect Yeah, you. yeah, um, it's important. Is I've been to quite a few places where I get involved in this toilet conversation. <laughs> okay. Where it's always like a male or female toilet. Um, yeah. Or the, um, what I call the access toilet. So the disabled yes. toilet. Yeah. Um, and um, specifically around um, 
sort of gender identification or assignment. I think there's a lot of crossover now with kind of that perception of who can use these toilets and the the amount of people I've heard um, kind of openly say, well, um, anyone that's transgender should really be using the disabled toilet. Mm. And I'm like, but why? Like, what makes you think you're entitled to use a toilet that somebody else that like associates with the same gender can't use that toilet? Yeah. Um, and I think I've mentioned this, but I can't think who I was talking to. I remember, I've moaned about this before, but a toilet can't be a disabled toilet. <laughs> like... A toilet cannot be disabled. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. it can't be a disabled toilet. It's just a toilet. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if the idea is that it's more accessible, then it's an access toilet. So I, yeah. I, I, it annoys me this like term, the disabled toilet, because I think that's just so incorrect. Yeah, um, I'm not I am not keen on the word disabled in any way. Um, I don't it, mind the word. I think mm-hmm. it's just the way it's used. Yeah, like and maybe the, that's more like with the way yeah. it's interpreted. Yeah. Um, and the connotation of basically when someone says disabled, you have to be in a wheelchair and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> because that's like the chosen symbol. And you think, well, uh, yeah, and it's again, so like, closed minded. My view is very much that the access toilet is for additional access. So if say you or me want to use that toilet whether Mm. we have what could be considered a disability or not we can go in and use that it's just like priority seating on a train priority should go to someone that has limited or additional needs um, so might need better access to go in and use that toilet but if you're going in as uh, one individual person like how long are you really going to be I don't see that as a huge um issue for me um and just because you're not in a wheelchair that doesn't mean you can't go in and use that um and i've spoken recently to a couple of people and they've mentioned going into access toilets and helping um elderly parents that have mobility issues um and they've gone in and they say there's just not enough room in there for for me to help my mum or dad sort of onto the toilet and to be able to move around and help sort of get them to use the facilities yeah and it sort of brings home that thing because i've never had to do that or deal with that Mm. um that you go in and you think oh yeah it's a bit ridiculous how big some of these access toilets are but actually the size of some of the smaller ones i now go into and think yeah how would how would two people come in here plus potentially um a wheelchair because apparently that's what this place is for (laughs) (laughs) and and use the facilities without too much of a problem I just yeah I I don't I'm not sure about that yeah no I I totally understand that I mean because there's like you have different mobility aids as well like you can have those like uh walkers you can have like rollators you can Mm. have so much stuff but if you need if you need somebody in there and you need your mobility aid as well, like it's definitely a tight fit. Like combine that with all the kind of um additional like handles and stuff, and then yeah. you have like your sink and all the different bins and your hand like your hand dryer. So yeah, actually I never thought about it like that. I mean, over here, like access toilets are pretty big. Like mm. any that I have been in are there's a lot of space. I mean, the one in our the where I work at the minute, um, is it's more like a room than anything else it's absolutely massive so you know but then it's like the width of it as well it's quite narrow so it would be difficult you know obviously the doors and stuff are made for if somebody's in a wheelchair yeah for easy access but then the width of it when you get in is quite small so i actually never thought about it like that before you go, you're gonna have a new view next time you go in 
Yeah, well, I mean, like, when my sister got married, um, obviously, as maid of honour, you have to, like, hold the train everywhere you go. Yeah. So then she's like, I really need the bathroom. And we walked into the ladies' toilets, and we were just like, this is not going to work. Um, so then we, <laughs> like, her train was so long, and then we, um, there was nobody in the access toilet. Uh, it was kind of like a room off. We mm. had a room off uh, the hotel, so we were able to use it. But even then, it was, like, kind of a tight fit for, like, a whole wedding dress, <laughs> and then another person as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> It was just like white material everywhere. Oh, I'm sure it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, definitely. Good imagery. So do you feel like if you were, um, given that we're kind of talking about the workplace, if you're in your workplace, do you feel that you would be comfortable using um, the access toilet or as most people are going to see it, a disabled toilet? I think most people see it as a disabled toilet. Mm. Um, I mean, the ladies' toilets are right beside it, and then the men's toilets are like on the other side of the corridor. Yeah. Um, people, I I definitely know people use it out of sheer laziness, like especially the boys, because they don't want to have to walk around the whole like floor to go to their toilet. Yeah. Um, and I don't. Um, yeah, like I don't think. I don't think people have a huge problem with it. Um. I think it's just more out of handiness than anything mm. else. But um, I always feel a wee bit awkward using it. But then that's just like the what I've grown up with is that that access toilet is for people who have additional needs. Mm. Um, but now, like we've talked about it, it's definitely changed my perspective on it. I mean, I do use it sometimes when I have, like if I go to the gym after work and I have to get changed because it's got more room in it. Yeah. Um, Plus, I just find it really awkward when you're in a cubicle beside somebody and they hear all this shuffling and you're like, what are you doing in there? So I like to go somewhere else to get changed. Um, but I don't like personally have a problem with people using it. Again, it is just a bathroom. Mm. Like it is a toilet area. Um, but I think people in my work would just use it more out of laziness of having to walk anywhere else. Yeah, so. I suppose that it does kind of break down that sort of I guess accessibility of the toilet even if people are using it out of laziness the fact that it's the closest toilet and it's, it is seen as accessible it's like I can just jump in and use the toilet yeah um yeah. it sort of breaks that down which I think is quite good because um I I feel like I'd probably fit into similar sort of view as you is that most of the places I've worked um I work with um children or young adults mm -hmm. so where I can I'll always use the access toilet so that you're not using the same toilet as the young people yeah child protection and everything yeah, yeah. um so I'll do that where I can however when I'm not at work and I'm in let's say just public space yeah I would be very apprehensive about using an access toilet because I feel like it's not I don't, again it's kind of that view of wow you're not in a wheelchair so you shouldn't really be using that facility I think yeah. well um if there's someone that had um certainly uh, a few issues around mental health with things like OCD you can get um difficulty with being in especially that type of environment where cleanliness mm -hmm. is not always the best yeah um and actually just having a bit of space to go in and kind of um relax yourself a little bit more um I feel like that would be something that I don't know I feel like it kind of be frowned on socially in terms of someone just kind of walking in and then using that space and then walking out again yeah because I feel like again it comes back to the whole like mental illness mental health is invisible so and I get again it's a whole case of 
of being a society that judges automatically mm. whenever we see somebody. So I would be the same as you. I would feel very um, uneasy about using an access toilet in public um, because everybody is looking at you and like, you know, you're walking in able-bodied um, and they're, they're probably thinking like, you know, that's so rude. You know, they need to leave that space for somebody who actually needs it. But like you say, with people generally if an access toilet isn't used as often as a normal bathroom where you know you've got more than one cubicle you've got more than one sink mm. but for people who do have like contamination OCD especially or anxiety around like those kind of spaces I mean it would be far more beneficial for them to be able to use it but then you have the whole judgment side of it mm. whenever you come out of it as well yeah I think it's one of those that I don't know it'd be interesting to sort of get feedback on that in a wider scale but i do Mm. think that there's an option there where if you've got to go in and you need to um i don't know maybe you need to go in and you need to um clean the facilities yourself before you use them or wipe them down or yeah um i just feel like that if you need to do that you've got a lot more opportunity to do that in the closed area that you get in an access toilet rather than um in a male female um toilet area yeah definitely um okay so that was quite a big sidetrack onto toilets for <laughs> quite a long time <laughs> oh I was just getting... <laughs> it's an interesting topic <laughs> yeah it gets me riled up i don't know why i'm so bothered about the toilets <laughs> um so for me yeah in um jumping back to to work i think mm-hmm. um i've found the uh, I feel quite open in my like in my this is going to be a weird uh, explanation in my personal life. I feel like I've gradually become a lot more open with um, my mental health and the stuff I go through. Um, however, in my work slash professional life, um, I'm very much not, um, and I think that really limits the kind of conversations, openness, and relationships that I can have with people that I work with. Mm. Um, and I think when you were talking about sort of having a couple of different workplaces, I don't know how you feel about your experience in the workplace or the different workplaces you've been in. Yeah, I mean, where I was for internship, um, it was a very open space. Like we all, um, I think because it was faith based as well, mm. there sort of just seemed to be kind of a more of a like caring attitude. Um, not that like where I work now it doesn't, but um, the there was more that of I... a focus on it. Yeah, like the people I worked with were because we're because of where we worked in that kind of um, low socioeconomic area. There was always a lot of like trouble, and I think they were just trained to deal with that kind of thing. So it just became open. Um, but I used to work in ASDA. Mm-hmm. This is a story. I worked there for two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because then I started an internship. But um, like I would have a lot of anxiety about like starting new places. Obviously, it's natural to be nervous, but like my anxiety would be heightened. Um, so when I started at ASDA, um, I worked in the bakery section of things. So obviously, like food hygiene was a big thing. Yeah. Um, because you're obviously um, packing away lots of like food items and um, you don't really wear gloves unless you have to because um, you're constantly like taking them on and off. So they see it as like an environmental thing. So you just had to wash your hands all the time. Mm. Uh, but nobody ever washed their hands where I worked. Um and it wasn't really an environment where like people didn't really talk to each other like they kind of just got on with their work um there was no kind of like work banter nobody seemed to like each other nobody liked where they were working 
Um, and it, I never got close enough to anybody to like bring up the subject of mental mm. health. And I think my managers changed in the two weeks that I was there. Like my wow. manager changed three times. Oh, um, <laughs> so I never got the chance to tell anybody. So um, I just kind of left it. And um, it was quite hard to like hide I did have some compulsions while I was there and mm. um, like obviously with hand washing and stuff and um, I was very conscious of like other people eating food that I had touched and um, so and like me being the only person that would wash my hands on a regular basis like everyone was like you, you know like, you don't need to do that Um, but when I left there and went to the internship obviously it was a different story and um, where I work now um, I didn't disclose the first office I worked in. Uh, I didn't disclose it for ages um, mm. until I got like particularly close with um, one of my colleagues. And I just have a tendency to like blurt things out and then like deal with the consequences of it afterwards. Um, like I don't really think about things <laughs> until after. So um, I think um, we were making lunch or something. and We both had the same thing. Um and we had to make, cook it in the microwave, but I I cook things a lot longer than I need to. Um, so she obviously asked why, and I then just said like I had OCD. Um, and like slowly but surely over like the eight to nine months that I was there, I kind of just um, opened up to everybody about it. Mm. Um, like it was a really friendly work environment, um, and you know we would chat about anything and everything. So like the odd time mental health did come up so when I opened up about it they were really interested and um you know they were constantly asking questions or people were able to relate especially with the anxiety side of things more so um you know one guy like we were sitting comparing like the symptoms that we get when we have panic attacks um like and I use humor as a defense mechanism like a coping mechanism um so I kind of take the mick out of myself a wee bit because I feel that's how I cope with it Mm. Um, which isn't everybody's natural reaction some people don't really like doing that but I found it made them more comfortable to talk about it as well yeah um I think like if I'd gone with the really serious approach um to start off with I think it would have made them uncomfortable but obviously as I got to know them better I did open up more about how like debilitating it can be um and then like they were really, really supportive of it. Um, to be fair, I never really had any issues in that office with OCD or anxiety. At that stage of my life, um, I had like good control over it, and I was like too busy to, to like, process if anything did happen. I just like kind of stuck it to the back of my head and then like carried on. Um, where I work now, it's the same agency, but it's just a different office. Um, and we got talking one day about like misconceptions about OCD you know those like Facebook posts or Twitter posts where like um people are like oh I'm so OCD because I like oh. to have all of my cups in a row <laughs> or like the, the tiles all need to be like pointed the right way yeah. um we got talking about those and then I just blurted it out as I usually do um and they were like you don't look like only some people heard it not everybody mm. um and it was like the younger half of the office were really like receptive to it they're like you don't look like you have OCD um like what's it like and then one girl she was like yeah I think my friend has that and um you know she was explaining about it and she's like how does it work like what triggers it or what sets it off um like what did you do to recover from it hmm. um whereas the other half of the office who like didn't hear as much about it they're they, <laughs> and it sounds so ageist but hmm. they would be sometimes quite 
derogatory in the terms that they would use um, about, you know, if you hear in the news, like, at the minute, like, it seems that every terrorist attack is being attributed to somebody with mental health problems or every yeah. shooting is attributed to somebody with mental health problems. Like, obviously, as it comes up in the news, we talk about it. Um, and you, when you hear the term, like, you know, they're loonies, they're just mental, like, just not nice terms to describe somebody with a mental health problem. And I'm kind of sitting there being like, how can I tell them that I have a mental health problem when that's their natural reaction? Yeah. Um. I think I said one day, like, somebody I knew had um, a real problem with, like, public toilets um, and, like, couldn't go and, like, wouldn't go to the bathroom until I got home. And, like, as soon as I saw the look on one of their faces, I was like, I actually cannot tell her that I have the same problem sometimes. Mm. Um, when it comes to depression, um, obviously, I only just got diagnosed this week. Um, so it's been really difficult to process, but I had to tell my manager so that I could get out to go to counselling today. Hmm. Um, and, like, I was surprised because it just didn't phase her whatsoever. Um, she was really, like, receptive of it. And she was like, you know, that's totally fine. Um, she was like, if you need space or you need to take a walk, you know, just go and I'll know. Um, but I'm not quite ready to tell the rest of my colleagues just yet. Yeah. Um, I think I need to process it for myself first. Hmm. And then maybe at some stage I'll share but I'm quite like yourself and that I kind of keep my work life and my social life when it comes to mental health very very separate yeah so. I feel like there's such a huge difference as well um I think like when I was sort of saying that to you and as you were talking through as well like you think of um like the ridiculous scale of it and I was like yeah so at work like I'll talk about mental health um and I give them presentations and stuff but I won't mm-hmm. talk about my own mental health and then I'm like and then at home I've got a website and a podcast and I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah exactly. it's like the complete opposite um <laughs> and I think sometimes it's that um that stigma that sometimes we feel from um society I think sometimes because we pull it on ourselves as well sometimes oh yeah um and like you say yeah I, I, it's just an example isn't it but um it's not necessarily that you'll be an ageist but I think that you just whatever environment you're in you're going to have some mm-hmm. people that understand it and some people that don't yeah um and I think it's that idea that we put we probably put in our heads or focus on the negative stuff rather than the positive sometimes so you mm-hmm. don't think oh not everyone will get it but um these but half of the people or a third of the people will get it and I'll be able to talk to them. Um, Maybe they'll have gone through stuff that we can talk about as well and it just creates a lot more openness. You kind of focus on the fact that there's some people um, that didn't get it that were quite negative and um, then that makes you feel a bit more awkward. And I think that's the thing that I do is I focus too much on like the negative side rather than the, the like the positive aspects of doing that but yeah it's oh, no, also definitely. yeah it's also about being comfortable so like you say like not ready to kind of fully talk about some stuff yet and I think it's that idea that um if you're talking to other people and you know you've both got um challenges or issues around mental health you can sort of talk your way through that conversation and it doesn't matter that you don't know everything yeah whereas if you're talking to someone that doesn't know anything at all 
I think we feel the pressure that you have to know everything that's going on with you and not only know it, but be able to explain it clearly to someone that has no idea. Yeah. Um, And I think that's one of the things that maybe puts me off as well, because um, it annoys me quite a lot to say, oh, I don't know or I'm not sure. Um, And I find myself sort of saying that quite a lot when I'm talking to someone that doesn't sort of or hasn't had a direct experience of mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely sort of, I feel like it puts, I don't know what effect it has on them as to whether it puts them off the conversation or they don't feel engaged in it, but it definitely puts me off in, I don't feel like the conversation is really a productive one. Um, and I kind of leave with more of like a negative feeling from it than a positive one sometimes. Yeah, no, definitely. I I would totally agree with that. Um, and I think it's just a case of as well, like, I don't know, when it comes to people who maybe don't have a direct experience with mental health or don't have a proper understanding of it, sometimes if you try and explain, like it sort of makes the other person feel like they're being like lectured about it or mm. um, I would be like, I would have a lot of like social anxiety. So I'm always like really conscious of what I say or how I say it. Mm. Um, so it, do, it does have like a direct effect um, on like one of the girls was mentioning OCD and um you know, she made that joke about like having everything in a straight line. And like I had said to her, like, I have OCD, but I'm not like that. Like, this is mine. And then yeah. like 10 minutes later, I was like, flip, I hope like she wasn't offended by that. Or I hope she didn't think I was like trying to pull her up about it or like getting yeah. annoyed with her about it. Like it wasn't the case. Um, and like, I eventually was like honest with her about it. And I was like, look, I don't know how that came across, but I hope it didn't come across in a negative way. And, you know, because I then expressed like my anxiety about it, she's like, no, it was fine. She was like, I didn't realize there was OCD like that. So at the end of it, it was productive, but you do spend, I spend a lot of my time anyway thinking, I don't want people thinking I'm lecturing them mm. on mental health. If they, Especially if they don't have an understanding, you don't want to make them feel stupid about it either. Yeah, I think it's, it's working on that, um, the I guess just the dynamic of the conversation mm. like I know I feel a lot more open I think when I can talk to someone that I I know or I feel like has been affected by um mental health being judgmental myself <laughs> um, <laughs> is I feel like then you're involved in a bit more of a conversation because it's a two-way street where I can talk a bit about me, you can talk a bit about you, we can mm. compare or contrast or say this has worked for me, maybe that would help you, um, or this is something I really didn't find useful but it sounds like it might help you. Yeah. Um, where it feels a bit more like a conversation rather than me just like standing up on a stool and talking about myself, um, you're involved in a bit more of a conversation and I think that can really help. But one of the things I've found is sometimes you've got to be the first one to talk um, to get that other person to kind of open up about um, whatever struggle they've previously had. Uh, and that's been a way that I've found out about um, quite a few of my friends or previous colleagues have been affected by mental health issues is because they've become aware of the fact that um, I or someone else has started to talk about something and then they feel a bit more comfortable about coming forward and saying, oh, this has previously affected me or it affects me now. Um, yeah. And I would have never known that before. So I wouldn't have been able to, um, I guess I wouldn't have been able to be there to support them or be involved in those conversations. But I also just wouldn't have known about that part of their lives. So that's felt really good. Yeah, like you have to kind of like bite the bullet and do it. And um, 
yeah, like be the person that starts it because I don't think, I don't know, I just don't think it'll it will get talked about if we didn't take mm. that first step. Um, I mean, I think for a lot of people, they get such a sense of relief knowing that somebody else is going through exactly the same thing. Um, and I feel like if you have enough, like if you feel comfortable enough to bring that up yourself, um, I think it's so important because there's so many people, I think I said it earlier, like there's so many people who just don't know how to bring it up and mm. and are afraid of being judged. Whereas I think, you know, you're right and you say if you if you take that first step and you bring it up, you find out so much more than you than you would have done if you had just left it. Yeah. Um and you know, there's always that idea of um especially like in Northern Ireland, I feel there's always that idea of, oh, somebody else will do it. Um <laughs> like I'll leave it because somebody else will do it. And it's the same for it. It's an attitude that we have for everything. It's like like replacing the ink in the printer I'll leave that somebody else will do it I think we have the same attitude towards like talking about mental health as well like I'll wait until somebody else does and then Mm. and then maybe we'll start a conversation um but it's really cool that you like you're starting to feel more comfortable doing that um because you have no idea then how many people you're actually helping which is pretty cool that's cool to hear I think it's it's that just being able to talk up the first time sometimes isn't it and Mm. like we say it's 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 not great but it's good that it's been identified that there is that kind of stigma or lack of conversation around mental health yeah but you feel like well yeah that's step one okay but then you actually need someone to kind of come forward or have a few people that come forward and talk about it and whether that's doing things like talking to your friends a podcast a blog a vlog um talking to people in your workplace or your college or uni um and I think it's having those people that come together that are prepared to talk about not just their own experience but I guess the topic in general yeah um it shouldn't be like that closed environment because you are trying to raise I guess awareness of the way people are affected but also try to in trying to remove that stigma you just need to make the conversation more open more general um i think so it's not a like oh let's make a cool group over here for all the depressed people and a good group over here for all the people that are affected by ocd yeah it's um like we're going to come together and talk about um mental health and some of the issues that people might be affected by or um how we're going to support our employees or students or um things like that um yeah so we get we get away from this idea that uh i don't know what's going on there (laughs) (laughs) is that you or me pushing the keypad i think that might be me i don't know i had no way i turned off all my notifications so that nothing came through (laughs) (laughs) i think somehow i started dialing something on skype i'm not sure how that's happened um i didn't even know you could dial (laughs) oh play with that tomorrow um but yeah, trying to get away from that idea that, yeah, we have some sort of external counselling service. Um, yeah, if you want to talk about it, go and talk to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to deal with that right now. You go and talk to somebody else. Yeah. But I feel it's really like, I've just been thinking like over the course of our conversation, even about like how managers or supervisors are trained. Like I know for certain that my manager is trained in first aid mm. and that's really good. But um you know, if there isn't a counselling service available for your company, who is there as the person that 
you know, if you were in dire straits at work and, you know, something was really going wrong, like who is that, you know, who is that designated person for you to go to? Um, like my, I know my work, I don't think would have anybody like that. I'm really passionate about training people and obviously it all comes under raising awareness. Mm. Um, but I think it would be really good and I think it's important for especially managers or like those at a managing level to be aware of mental health issues and how you can best support your employees. And I just don't feel like that's something that's in position or in place at the minute, but I don't know what it's like over where you are. I I would feel like it's probably one of those things that potentially sits under a few people and so probably sits under none of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, I was thinking if you work somewhere where there's like a trainer or like a, training coordinator or something it could sit under them if you Mm. have counselors or uh it could be them uh i guess i don't quite know the like the textbook definition but a first aider are they there for health reasons or physical health i feel like it's probably by textbook is probably health but in practicality it's physical health yeah um because i kind of feel like if you're if you're having some sort of um like seizure panic attack or episode or you feel like you're going to have one uh, first aider kind of feels like the person that should be yeah should be responsible yeah yeah but when you were talking about training i was like is a first aider like a first i've done first aid training at work admittedly probably 10 years ago um (laughs) so i'm sure things have changed um but at no stage at all did we talk about uh mental health we did um like you do uh bandages recovery position calling for help Mm -hmm. checking if someone's got a pulse or if they're breathing um if they were having think if they were having some sort of oh I think we might have done a, a brief bit about like fits or episodes because I remember mm-hmm. them telling us to you would have to like clear a space um so that they're not kind of um hurting themselves by like clashing out onto a table or a chair yeah um and you just kind of create a space for them and make sure that everyone else is kind of away from the area yeah now that wasn't specifically about mental health but i guess it crosses over a little bit with regards to things like fits and episodes yeah um but that was the closest we got and again that was never really directed or explained in terms of mental health that was very mm-hmm. much a physical reaction um because i'm thinking of times when i've had episodes and i've lashed out and then afterwards i don't well i suppose you could be put into a recovery position but i just i'm exhausted so i i'll just sleep yeah um but at no point when i was given that training were we told well at the end of this someone might be really tired so just make sure they're okay and let them sleep <laughs> yeah if if anything i think you're told to keep them awake yeah exactly yeah um so yeah i think you're probably right where i'm i'm not convinced that's definitely not widespread let's i think we can agree it's not widespread but i'm not convinced that that's really offered in terms of training for managers or even for first aids admittedly like i say mum was a long time ago but no i you know i'm the same i've not recently done first aid but it's definitely been within the last 10 years yeah. um, 
<laughs> oh, I actually did do it last year, but not no, it was very much focused on just the physical aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Um and I kind of feel like though if if you were in work and you did have kind of like an episode relating to your mental health, um you I think I feel like you would feel like you're very much on your own. Mm-hmm. Um and it would be quite I don't know, it it's traumatic enough as it is having an episode, but um then to know that there's actually nobody there that can like help calm you down or kind of reassure you as well um I think that would be quite hard to to understand as well and then for I suppose for people around you if they notice something was wrong they might feel a bit helpless yeah um like the other day in work it must have been the day after I'd been to the doctors so I had like all these thoughts in my head and like um I work for like a telephone unit so I'm just constantly on the phone mm. but um like my heart started racing and I don't know if like my blood pressure just dropped or it was something to do with like my with my visit to the doctors the day before but like I literally couldn't concentrate um and like I couldn't even like process what the lady on the phone was saying so like I eventually like managed to talk to her and she went off and she was happy but I couldn't tell anybody like I, d- I didn't know what to do so I kind of just took myself off to the bathroom with a bottle of water and just like sat there until I felt better mm. um and it was kind of like I came back and I was like you know somebody probably here could have helped me but you know they didn't know what was wrong with me because I didn't express that but then part of me also didn't want to express it because then I have to like divulge everything and go into like a really like difficult conversation about mental health so I kind of feel like even if generally you just you know maybe off the back of first aid or something you just got uh, like tips for spotting if people are you know having some kind of episode or you know mm. symptoms of certain disorders so that you know if you feel like one of your employees is struggling you know here's what you can do I feel like it would be very beneficial to have um just to make that make the workplace and that environment slightly easier to be in yeah I think and it can make a big difference because I think like when you were saying that, I was thinking, what would I do? Like, I'd probably try, um, I guess your role's slightly different where you're kind of tied to the phone quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but I would probably try and if I felt like I could just get outside for five or ten minutes and have a walk around um, or just as much as I could try to make it to the end of the day and then come home and do whatever I need to do at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like that would, yeah, that would be quite a challenge. Uh I was all also reminded me because we were talking about training. I remember oh, now I can't I can't remember if I saw this when I was in Australia or whether it has. I think it was because all of the adverts were a bit more extreme. But I saw this brilliant advert. Yes, it was. <laughs> it, it, I saw this brilliant advert for um, first aid training, um, and it was a bit horrific, but it was so good. Um, so you see, it's just like a normal scene where I think there's like a mum on a sun lounger and her kid playing outside and they've got like Mm -hmm. a decent sized garden and they've got a swimming pool. Um, and the kid, I can't remember if he goes to jump off of like a diving board or he just, I think, yeah, I think he, or maybe he slips on, let's say he jumps off the diving board. However, he's in the air and he's about to jump. But when he goes down, um, he hits the back of his head, either on the diving board or the end of the pool, and just goes straight down to the bottom of the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see kind of some blood coming out the back of his head. And the mum sees uh, sees him go under. She runs over. But when she runs over to the pool, she can't get in. And it's like got a glass top on it. So she's hitting the top of the pool. And it's talking about... 
Um, I think it was talking about first aid and it might have linked into some sort of loose like swim recovery thing or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it's a bit of a horrific advert, but if you saw that and you had a child, there is no way that you're not going to sign up for first aid training or some sort of basic swimming if you can't already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I feel like something a bit horrific like that makes a huge difference. Um, and when you're talking about being in the workplace and and like being able to like just talk to someone would it be I feel like I'm setting a horrific example but if you had like a workplace where you've got like a high building and you show someone like on the top of the roof and then someone comes out and talks to them yeah like the ability just to talk to someone and have that open conversation to start off with would that not be like a great bit of training that you could probably do in a morning um for everybody and just again have that opportunity to like in that emergency to to be that lifeline that saves somebody's life or maybe earlier on be open to just saying um or recognizing that there might be a potential issue or struggle with someone and just saying like oh let's just go for a walk or go and grab um I don't drink hot drinks so grab a juice <laughs> um or tea or coffee if you choose to um <laughs> But yeah, I feel like, like you're saying, something that could even be done in a half day, um, which could make a huge difference to to the life potentially of someone yeah. that you work with. Um, and that's not even touching on the the fact that if you're happier um, and you feel secure somewhere, you're going to be more loyal, you're going to stay there and not move, you're going to be more productive and all of that work stuff that people love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but just the fact that, it could make such a huge difference. Like I say, sometimes that would never happen over here because no one likes that dramatic stuff. But I feel like it's quite hard-hitting and sometimes that's needed. Yeah, it is. It's the shock factor of it that is like, it, it literally like shocks people into action. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, you should patent that idea and like, definitely <laughs> go for it. Yeah, I'll go and film that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um... Is there anything else that you really wanted to talk about? No, I don't think so. Like, actually, before we started, um, because I feel like I ramble, yeah. I'm very sorry if I have. Oh, no, 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 you haven't. <laughs> but I wrote, like, some stuff down. Yeah. But I think, like, literally, like, we've covered everything that I had thought about. So. Oh, that's good. I had yeah. um, one, two, three, four... Uh, I had four things written down and I've written down the fifth one just because we've talked about it quite a bit. So I'll include it in the description. Okay. So, yeah, I've ticked off all of mine as well. Good. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) It's good. I'm getting more productive. (laughs) I struggle sometimes with, I was like, I like the idea of having the longer podcast, but I think like who's going to listen to like what has become sometimes two hour episodes and then like one or two a week. I think think if people are interested in the topic, then they will. Yeah, I suppose so. Or like if they, if they care enough about you as a friend and they value and what you do, I think they will. I think I've, because I've like looked at other podcasts and there's a couple where they're like like 15 (laughs) or 20 minutes and I'm like, I listen and I'm like, yeah, that's great. I could never do it in 15 or 20 minutes. Like, yeah, you feel very rushed. I think like, the, I think the things that you talk about though are really important. So it like pays off to take that time. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone's got a different approach to it, which is really nice. And you get that. Some people will prefer to listen to something that's a bit shorter and they just want 
um, 15 minutes or they might want to listen to a couple. And so in an hour they could listen to a few. Yeah. Whereas realistically, like it's, it's going to take you an hour plus to listen to any conversation I have because it will ramble a little bit. We'll divert and talk about <laughs> toilets for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think though the issues that you cover... Um, even like the kind of entertainment side of things I don't know I think um, people well I know I'm interested in yeah. in hearing other people's opinions and I'm always like looking to educate myself more or like hear different perspectives on things so I think if people are interested enough mm. um, they'll definitely like give it a shot anyway yeah. um, and I mean like who doesn't want to listen to a very broad Northern Irish accent for oh, like an hour and 40 minutes? <laughs> Me, I do not want to listen to that. <laughs> so I'm sorry if like your subscriber kind of drops after you post oh, this. <laughs> it's only this one episode you're not listening to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but see, your accent's very nice to listen to. Oh, so, um, It's just I have, it's different to you. <laughs> yeah, that's what... Well, I don't know. I just really like... I just really like different accents. I mean, mm. what's your where's your accent from? Like, um, uh, so I'm in Portsmouth, so the south coast. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't really mean a lot to me geographically. Um, but it is a nice do accent. Know, <laughs> do you know where the Isle of Wight is? Like the little island at the bottom of England? Oh, yes, yeah. I'm literally just above the island. Oh, okay. I've never been. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't need to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I've been listening to some of your podcasts. I have a lot of catching up to do, but I really like enjoyed everyone. Um, so it's always just, I just love hearing other people talk. So. Yeah, I've got to, I quite like sometimes just having it on in the background. Like I, mm. initially I wouldn't listen to it because same as you, like I didn't like listening to my own voice. Yeah. But I can sort of zone myself out now. <laughs> and I've been quite lucky where um, like sometimes we could get people on and we'll have a bit of a, a brief like to and fro, but then we get talking about a point. Um, and you can talk for a couple of minutes and then I can listen to just you talk rather than like the to and fro bit, which is yeah. quite nice and um, definitely makes it easier to listen to when you're trying not to listen to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's, I just like the fact that there's um, like people coming forward and happy to talk about their own experience. And I think that's really cool. Um, mm. Like I... I wouldn't I don't feel like I would have been able to do that before um yeah. so it's really nice to like have people come on and and talk about their own experience and um again be open to the fact that do you know what like we don't know everything this is kind of my experience and as much as I know about it but um they're open to the fact that we're we don't know everything and that's quite refreshing sometimes especially yeah. when like I say you get caught in conversations where you don't know everything and you feel bad for that sometimes. Mm, definitely. But I know, like, I think it's really cool that you do a podcast because, um, like, obviously, like, people who do, like, I blog the odd time very sporadically. Um, and, you know, lots of people have YouTube channels and things, which is amazing. But with, like, the podcast kind of social aspect of it, it's so easy just to download and listen on the go. Whereas mm. you, you just, like you say, you can have it on the background or you can listen to it in the car. Whereas whenever you're like reading a blog or like watching YouTube, you kind of have to give your full attention yeah. to it. You can't really do anything else. But I think it's really cool that you started something like that. I yeah. mean, like the sheer amount of episodes you have already and like all the different guests that you have and all the different topics you cover. Like, I think you're doing an amazing job of even 
raising awareness of mental health oh. and and getting people to talk about it so you should definitely pat yourself on the back for that oh thank you that's really nice to hear <laughs> it's true <laughs> <laughs> i can't lie so i only tell the truth oh, that's a good point to end on <laughs> yeah definitely would you be happy to do um just a little intro like similar to the other episodes where um i'll just clip it from the end to the beginning um and include it in the introduction so you just say um your name and where you are yes okay. okay just my name and where i'm from is that all you want um yeah you can do any other stuff as well if you want to include like um my website or my blog or anything like that that you've got oh see people can't spell my name or say it so i will leave that to you to put in the description okay. <laughs> if you want yeah. <laughs> and people have a difficult time with my name so <laughs> uh, i love <laughs> i've loved some of the people that have come on and now i'm like um, yeah, if you want to give your website, you can do, but I'll add it in. And they're like, no, no that's fine. So they'll, they'll be like, hi, my name's Didda, I'm from here. My website is blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my God, I still don't know my website. <laughs> I just have to say it's in a description because yeah, I can't I remember. Don't know. See, that's why I make everything just my full name because then it's easy to remember. Like literally everything. <laughs> I think apart from my Snapchat, everything else is my full name because then I'll be guaranteed to remember it when I log in. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is quite a good little. That's 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 quite a good. Yeah. I like that. That's a good plan. Plus, like nobody else has my name, so it's never ever taken. So. <laughs> so you say people don't know how to pronounce your name. Oh, yeah. I feel like I should have a go now. Do, oh, please do, please so, do. Is it just Cowley? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, Coughley? No. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, um, it's, it's pronounced. Hold on. I need to take a drink first. What? That's no, not fair. Yeah, it's, your own, it's your own name. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced like Clothley. Like, you know, like oh, a lock. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, you don't know what lock nay is. There's a lock nay over here. Okay. But um, it's pronounced like that. But people just say like clockly and I'm happy with that. Oh. Um, that's what my nickname is at university. It was clock. Um, people pronounce it cluffly. But you know what? If you just said like attempt it, I'll know you're talking about me. So then oh. I'll just come to you. So. <laughs> just say Laura. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you attempt any like any pronunciation of my surname i will know that it's me you're talking about so. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah. yes i don't mind doing that i'll just say my name and where i'm from hi my name is laura i'm from northern ireland and you can find me on twitter at laura clothley and mike will spell it for you in the description yeah yeah <laughs> that's quite nerve-wracking i don't know why it's really hard as well i i think i I've done one where I've asked someone to do it at the beginning of the podcast because I thought I was going to forget. Yeah. Um, and then that's really awkward <laughs> because a lot of the time, like, it's the first time you, like, talk in any real detail and then to ask yeah. someone to do that in the first, like, three minutes <laughs> is really weird. So we do it at the end um, as, like, a nice awkward bit to finish off the call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good and awkward. Oh, you have to love that. Yeah, because people do it then. Once you've spoken to them for an hour, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Is this the first time you've spoken to anybody from Ireland? Um, on the podcast, yes. Um, oh. I've... I think I knew I knew someone at uni who was I I don't know if she was Irish or Northern Irish, um, and I want to say one other I think your your 
either the I think you're the third person I've spoken to. Wow. I feel privileged. I know. <laughs> I don't I know you've done a lot of prep for today, but I don't your accent's not ridiculously strong. Um but I don't know if that's cuz you're trying to tone it down for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think so. I feel like when I talk to people from it sounds really strange in a different country. Yeah. But if I talk to people from overseas, I definitely talk differently. Mm. I think everybody has like a phone voice. Yeah. I know I do because I work on a phone, but um, I feel like I try to talk slower because mm. I gen- like generally talk very fast. So I don't know if like, you picked up on that because sometimes I forget myself, like I forget that I'm not talking to somebody that lives in the same country as me. So Northern Ireland, Irish people tend to talk very, very fast. Um, so I do try and slow it down, but um, I think that like, so if if I'm angry about something, I will be very broad. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, I didn't quite manage to get you as riled up as I thought I was going to. Well, so. I'm quite a calm person generally. Um, it takes a lot to get me angered at something. Okay. I think it's just because it takes effort to be angry. So <laughs> I'd rather just not care, <laughs> which is really bad to admit. But <laughs> Isn't there, I remember, I can't remember which way around it is, but... I remember seeing something ages ago and they said it's doesn't it use more face you use more face muscles or something to smile oh, to fry does it to smile I don't I th- know yeah I know I think you use more smiling than you do maybe it's fry. not yeah maybe it's not frowning maybe it's just like looking unhappy I don't I, I don't know smiling think- was definitely worse for your face <laughs> <laughs> which I remember just thinking was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> the one thing that makes you feel better is actually really bad for you and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it's, I don't know, all the people that don't look happy, is that because they were really happy earlier on in their life? I don't know. <laughs> See, I think, have you played, you've heard of resting bitch face, have you? Yes. That's what I have, like oh. genuinely. Oh no. It makes me so upset. So I try my best to smile all the time, but maybe that's detrimental to my face. (laughs) Oh dear, no! I used to I used to work with someone that had that really badly, (laughs) and yeah, I mean, I saw a couple of pictures of her online, Mm. and I was like, "Who is this girl? This is not the person I work with." Because they show pictures of them with like a either a neutral to sort of smiling face online. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, that's not her face. <laughs> she does not look like that. <laughs> that is not. She's wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. But I'd, I, I have to admit, I'd never heard of it up until I think it was last year. And then you just become aware of a couple of people and you're like, oh, my God, like it is. It's so your face. <laughs> yeah, I just look permanently like indifferent or like aggressive i don't know if it's yeah. my eyebrows or something but <laughs> so i just try and smile all the time so that people oh, okay. actually know i'm happy inside <laughs> oh i've obviously not seen enough pictures of you because i wouldn't have said you had that talk <laughs> well see i don't really post a lot of pictures on twitter um i mostly post on facebook or a lot of instagram selfies i'm very sorry oh. <laughs> that's where i post all the hashtag filtered posts oh okay but <laughs> <laughs> and I tend to smile in them. I think if you saw my Facebook where like, you know, you're tagged in pictures that you don't realise you're tagged in. Brilliant. The tagged pictures. Yeah. 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 Those kind of photos is probably where you'll see my resting bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're fair to be stalked. <laughs> oh dear. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I've now got to go and find some bitch face photos. 
Yes, yeah, so please don't. <laughs> you can have me on Facebook though if you want. Um, it's where I post some of my wittiest stuff. Um, but yes, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, it's been lovely to talk to you. Oh, so, no, thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can have a chat again soon. Yes, for sure. Hit me up anytime. Cool. Um, I think it's. I'm. I'm going to try and do a few more of like the uh, like themed or topic based discussions because mm. I think it's quite interesting to get into, especially if um, if I'm able to get a few people on as well. It's quite interesting to have a couple of people talk through together as as a, a different way of having the podcast as well. So that's yeah, definitely. Might do no, that's a really good idea. Cool. Well, thank you very much for chatting, and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, enjoy the rest of your evening, whatever you get up to. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go shopping and buy cat food because I've run out. Oh, you have a cat? That's uh, exciting. I've got three cats. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot less exciting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, enjoy your shopping trip. <laughs> Thanks. All right, speak to you later on. Bye. Bye.